I don't know if you're trying to take down this podcast. Single. No, no, no. That's not true. It's, it's not what you're used to. Social justice, marriage, love, and poetry. I'm very nervous about what I said. Five, four, three, two. Welcome back to Buckle Up, baby. <laughs> That was particularly raspy. I left you hanging on purpose. Episode 14. 14. Double digits. What's that? Double digits. Yeah, we've been double digits since 10. But we still are. We're back in the original studio where it all started Mm -hmm. all those months ago. (laughs) Feels like a very long time. Does it to you? It it feels like a very long time. Yeah. 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 Um, When did we start? In the summer of 2021? Summer of 2021, yeah, what, in like uh, August? Yeah. I think no, I actually think it was like October. Um, but we're at 14, we're yeah. in it, it feels yeah. feels good. Yeah. Um, many things to discuss today. It's nice to be in this, let's talk about our, our studio here. Is this going to become nice. the, the permanent it space? It could be. This is it my home be. studio, where Leave I make a, lot of, make a lot of music, do a lot of things, a lot of content, and we started in here, and then we've been doing it in your home attic space yeah this, which i like it's yeah. echoey but it's freezing it's freezing the, it, the, today was the limit we couldn't do it there anymore yeah 15 degrees outside yeah what's the uh status on your heater um javier has yet to call me back <laughs> how does it feel when you're in a house and you have to be a man you yeah grab- well it's funny what falls under my automatically falls under my purview yeah you know like anything garbage related is automatically mine Anything maintenance related is automatically mine. Doesn't um, matter like what load, what other things you're carrying. This is just man stuff. Yeah, carrying packages inside. Well, yes, Michael, carrying. Until recently, you have a, uh, a pregnant wife, you monster. <laughs> until recently, um, <laughs> uh, breaking down all the boxes and throwing them out was my responsibility for some reason. You're only biologically stronger <laughs> than your opposite sex, and yet the carrying things. I can't complain yeah. about the carrying things, but making a phone call or a text. No, no, no. That could be shared by the sex. No, no, it's not the carrying. It's the if, if there's anything on the porch, I bring it in. No or, matter how small the package is. Or it stays there. Or it stays there. For some reason, I, I'm not complaining. That's just, that's just the way the, the That's it's just the way out. it is. Yeah. She don't want to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and she does all of the cooking and um, child rearing. <laughs> and I do the garbage. But that's not because your wife is a woman. It's because your wife is a chef. It's because she's a chef, yeah. The child and, and rearing is Whenever I try to cook, it's, it's just not as, it's just, it's not as good. No one wins. When I, when I do it. And she gets pleasure out of cooking because she's good at it and she's a chef. Yeah, I think she, I think, I think it helps her really, you can leave a comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're my wife and you're listening, you can leave a comment. Um, you guys should work on your communication. If the <laughs> only way you communicate is through the comment section of Buckle Up episodes. She does listen. She said, she had a comment on last week's, um, what was she saying? So you're not even paying attention. Um, oh, oh, about people getting canceled that, um, if, you know, if we knew all of George Washington's views and Abraham Lincoln's views, they'd probably also be banned from Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd miss out on all that good stuff. <laughs> all that good that's revolution good, stuff. That's definitely a good point. I want to see you and your wife having marital, serious marital discussions in the comment section of Buckle Up as like one thread on one video. That would be 
amusing for us and disturbing yeah. for you. What about if it was just more like practical logistical stuff? <laughs> hey, can you please take <laughs> in the you, package yeah. outside? <laughs> posted October. <laughs> I know you're posted checking the comments right now. January 30th, please. <laughs> Michael, be- it's been out there a week. <laughs> we'll just see how long it goes. I um, don't know how to open the door. <laughs> please bring it inside. That's an interesting point because a lot of times the I'm very disturbed by that whole thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of retroactively canceling historical figures who lived in a time where the views that they held still wrong by today's standards. Mm -hmm. But it's something to think about when everybody holds a wrong view Mm -hmm. or an immoral view and you live in that context. Doesn't that make it slightly more forgivable or understandable? I think it's a... It's that, a dangerous game. That's how I look at blackface a little bit. Yeah. Stay with me for a second. Like, if people were showing up that way to colleges in the South in the 90s, like, if they're showing up to parties at a college in the South in the 90s wearing blackface, mm-hmm. it was probably, like, pretty widely accepted that people did that. Not to say it's okay or they should do it now, but, like, but like, does it make you a monster to do what, what like, no one blinked at in 1994? Ah, that's a separate you know point. Because you're saying if it was funny then, I'm talking about like living in the yeah. time of slavery. No, no, but it's it's the same right? thing. When you when you're it's living in a historical thing. context where something is is universally evil, but everyone is everyone is per, like partic- uh, uh, participating in it in that yeah. institution or partial t- or you know sanctioning it. Yeah. What, so what's the difference between that and blackface? Well, because it wasn't evil then in the '90s because everyone thought it was funny. You're dealing with a more subjective kind of thing. Something that was deemed offensive now, yeah, in those days might have been funny, and then the cultural tides have shifted. Not because okay. of a real clear moral. But having issue. a slave is objectively evil. Across time, Got no it. matter the historical context, it's always evil. The question right. is, how in tune are people's moral intuitions at the time? In other words, there was a time when humanity was just, on the whole, yeah. less moral. We have gotten better with time. Right. You- More of humanity overall can see that's, I think, it, meaning if you believe in, if you reject moral relativism philosophically yeah. and say killing somebody or enslaving somebody against their will is evil and is always has been evil. Because you can't say then it wasn't yeah. evil, but you can say that more people participated in it so that to live in that context... It takes you. It takes someone to be that much more virtuous to stand up against it. So when you look up against our, when you look at our forefathers and Thomas Jefferson writing about the evils of slavery, even yeah. though he owned slaves, you can say, well, he might have been tapping into something that everyone else was rejecting. What if it comes a time once a, from now, right, in a thousand years when we're all eating synthetic meat, right? That that was my next question. And someone goes, how? And 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 it's deemed our great great grandchildren. So, oh my God, they ate live animals. Right. That's monstrous. Now, we don't feel that way now, yeah. but who knows what will evolve and change over time. And it could be that in the days where they're growing meat from a cell and you don't need to have the type of uh, factory farming and yeah. uh, you know slaughtering of animals that we have today, yeah. the point is, will you then write off every moral figure or any person of virtue of this time because they ate meat? Right, and and I don't. I'm not think equating I, the two, but it's the yeah. idea of that the cult, the, the morality can evolve. Right. And I, well. I'm not forgiving anyone who owns slaves, but I also think there were probably some pretty decent people. <laughs> I, I want. I, I wonder. The final episode, fourteen. <laughs> we made it to fourteen. Well, no, no, because Michael, something <laughs> happened. And did you come back from a a protest or rally recently? Yes. Say what you're going to say. No, I, I wonder. I wonder how. Um, no, we we think of George Washington as evil. For, for you're saying it's it's objectively evil. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean it is. 
But the no, fact- no, no, it, no. It's it, it definitely is. It's it's certainly objectively evil to like imprison someone and torture them and like and have them like be a slave in the way we think of it now. I I wonder if if in George Washington's home, I I'm just curious what the life of a slave was like, mm-hmm. and um, I just I I I, won, I wonder if it was, um, if if you would see it and go and go, this guy is a monster, or or you go. All right, you shouldn't be owning slaves, but like, like I, I see your household, and like I would, I wouldn't even. I guess it's I, possible I, I in the context that, of that time, in that context, that there were moral people or otherwise good people who part- who, were who participated in this in, evil in institution, institution, which yeah. was universal. Yeah, I can understand that, and there, there's obviously a, a range of a spectrum, but I'm just talking about the institution in and of itself. Sure. And I don't know if you're trying to take down this podcast single handedly. No, in one no. Well, well, biblically, in, in, <laughs> Judaism, biblically, in yes. Judaism, slavery is allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like it, with within very specific um, parameters. I'm just seeing, but, um, by the way, to just to get ahead it, of it, yeah. the articles written on Buckle Up, right? And you in quotes, Michael Weber saying, "I think good people right. just well, just know <laughs> you're going to get quoted and destroyed." So I am preemptively. <laughs> canceling you in so retro- that you can't be can- i'm uncanceling you I shouldn't have put it in the title of the, of the, podcast. <laughs> of the podcast what you're just trying to examine is what actually life was like in that time yeah. period and what people were like in terms of their moral yeah no i know i think you said about we said well you can participate in institutional evil and and still retain some of your morality i mean like this the same way in nazi germany like the, there were it was too much for some people, and like they they weren't hiding Jews in their basements. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I and and there are people who condemn them as hundred percent evil. And something I like to do in in like some of my writing also is is explore how how people can participate in these evil institutions, how, how good people can participate in these evil. Institutions. I know we bring them up a lot, but Jordan Peterson yeah. makes that point all the time that we're all on this huge spectrum. I don't even have to do the impersonation, but I will. Ha! No, but. Ordinary men, there's a book he talks about called Ordinary Men about it's not that evil people are these like different beings, mm-hmm. it's that we all possess this in us. And what's scarier is when good people do evil things and what it takes to get good people to mm-hmm. believe what they're doing is virtuous or good. And that's kind of happening now with certain things where, in the name of some kind of virtue or in the name of some kind of purity, we're doing or ideological purity, or you know, we talked about it with all the stuff going on with vaccine, like you can see. Wow, I'm, I'm very nervous about what I said now. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. In quotes, in quotes, it's horrific. Right. But you're such... being honest. You're having an honest. But conversation. that's what happened to uh, the SNL dude, Shane Gillis. It, it was yeah, it was a soundbite. It was a soundbite. But he was also saying it repeatedly. I'm, 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 I, I hear you. I hear you. This is a podcast. We're talking. Shit. Don't be nervous. It's okay. Shit. Okay. Don't be um, nervous. Listen, okay, I, I understand what you were saying. Yeah, you yeah. were just saying, what was it like? Oh, no, of for, course. But taken out of context, it sounds awful. And well, luckily, the world of out of context, people have less yeah. and less patience for. Yeah. We um, won't reel this clip. So anyway, you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we won't make a digital <laughs> short of this clip. Um, Speaking of which, we can move on yeah. to that. But I've, all because yeah, of your yeah. wife's point, she single-handedly planted this comment on a video so that she would bring down this podcast she wants this with, your, with my follow-up to her. She want, I think um, maybe she's coordinating with your wife. Yeah, maybe. But anyway. What's interesting about context? How good people. Oh, and about how good people can mm-hmm. do terrible things. Yeah, um, that's an interesting point she made about about yeah. cancel culture and how dangerous it is because you're you're not you're not considering the historical context. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that if you lived in a time where there were universal evils going on and you weren't fully fighting them, even though at some points you might have been, or you were part of the system, I just were not even necessarily made aware in. Uh, the context that we live in now of what the evils 
what would be considered universal evils going forward. This yeah. is a, there is an evolution to it. Yeah. Or or a dis- I wouldn't say evolution because that implies that at some point it was fine and then yeah. it evolves to be better. More like a discovery. In other words, we take for granted the time that we live in now, but it took human beings an enlightened discovery to realize what kind of you know, decrepit, immoral uh, context they were living in. Right, right, right. And and it's happened relatively fast in terms of civil rights. And it was the um, I mean, we take we take for granted yeah. also that oh, human rights as a concept yeah. we take for granted. We just live with that. There was a time it didn't exist. Right. The idea of a sovereign individual, what, which you agree with fully, <laughs> right, Michael? <laughs> what do you think we'll look back on in fifty years? You so meat was one example. What's another one that you think we'll look back on and go, oh my god, you guys did that? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, healthcare, universal healthcare? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one? Well, because that one is, that one, that you, you, one. You don't think they'll be like, oh, people had to pay to go to the hospital? No, because that whole argument is fallacious. This idea that it just exists. What's fallacious? How would you, descri- how would you uh, define fallacious? The, the fallacy of, oh. yeah, you were thinking fallatio? I was, yeah. Oh, no. Fallacious is a word. I know. You have a sick but... mind. Fallacious. The fallacy underlying, we get political, but this idea of entitled to a service. Healthcare is a service that has to be provided by other people. Well, this is exactly what I'm talking about. It, it so, seems fallacious now, but in 50 years. No, no. My point is it has to be provided by other people. And in order to just presume one could just have it, that would involve what? Can't you say the same thing about civil rights? Like, I have to, I have to treat you a certain way just because you want to be treated that way? No, because it's like negative and positive rights. One doesn't have a right to violate your sovereignty, mm-hmm. but one doesn't, it isn't entitled to provide you with a service. See, I think it's a great example because— Healthcare doesn't—it's co- doesn't, doesn't, not included in one's sovereignty I, because in, in, in declaring it a right, you are essentially— Requiring somebody else to provide it to so you, what I'm which in- violates their sovereignty. What I'm interested in is is how how <laughs> deeply you reject the idea. Something something that deeply rejected could be so deeply accepted. What do you mean by like like you're you're you you have a whole argument that you th- that's logic based and reasonable of of wh- of why you reject it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that how something that seems so obvious to you now could be so obviously thought of in a different way by someone in a later generation i know what i, you're, I, I, I know what I you're saying someone but... said the same thing about slavery like with the same confidence they were like it is you know slavery is a right <laughs> no, no, no really like someone in the south who grew up with it would say that would, would like there's just, another with, quote with, for with you same, <laughs> <laughs> slavery is a right <laughs> with the, quoted michael Weber. with the same he went on to say slavery is a right with the same moral righteousness or, or the same or Cla- the same or moral clarity vigor and, of, and certainty yeah so like in 50 years um, Look, it's it's it's. I understand your point. It's yeah. valid to say you're not aware of, of of what you're not aware of, of what you're not aware of. But let's just go philosophically for a second with slavery. My, I'm I'm holding as a constant a principle mm-hmm. of the individual as a sovereign, free human being that has its rights protected, and rights meaning rights from coercion of other people. Slavery violates that principle, yeah. and so does. Forcing someone to provide someone else healthcare, right? Like the same principle applies to both, right? So I don't see them as just one thing or another. But that's a relatively new idea, also that someone of a higher class can't just 
force someone of a lower class to do whatever they want. But it's a new idea. Yeah. It's a new yeah. idea that makes yeah. slavery immoral and wrong, right. and it makes it makes the government mandating or right. providing or forcing others to provide for other. You know. So is it impossible? It's the idea of coercion being wrong. Right. So is it impossible? Someone would say like the human the human body. Um, is everyone's responsibility, and if one human body is suffering, it's the entire, it's the entire country's responsibility to help it. You know, it so violates that. Think like that, but it violates. Like they do, but it violates that principle. So, if we're holding as a standard that yeah. force is wrong mm -hmm. amongst human beings, because in order for someone, this is like a very Anne Randian view about it, and it's a very mm -hmm. absolutist view about it. But just to articulate the point, in order for man, uh, a human being, to thrive in this world, they have to be free to use their mind this is I'm, I'm making that objectivist moral argument for individual rights they have to be able to use their mind they have to be able to reason in order for them to be able to reason they have to be able to be free to use their mind and they can't violate other people's rights in doing so they make a bit of a jump in that yeah. but the idea is in order for what's our standard our moral standard is how does a human being thrive in this world mm -hmm. and they thrive first and foremost by using reason by using their rational uh, this mind. Is, this is Ayn Rand. Uh, ra and, and, and they operate in their rational self-interest. This is like the Randian view. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to have as a moral standard that the human being must be free and sovereign, free from coercion. Mm -hmm. In order for that person to be free from coercion, that individual, they can't coerce other people because the idea of coercion between human beings cannot exist. And that's the role of government, to serve as a uh, mechanism to remove force from yeah. society, from individuals. But and anything that violates that how is, is free health care coercion? Because, I mean, the government's paying the doc. I mean, some, someone's Where does the paid. government get money from? Taxes. Yeah. And, and in order to get health care right. entitled to you, you have to force somebody else to pay for it so how or it, to provide yeah. it. How is that different than, like, roads? Like, the, the guys who's Public the roads, roads is not yeah. terribly different if they're funded by taxes. Yeah. But there's plenty of private roads that are managed privately that people... Mm -hmm voluntarily exchange in to manage and you pay a membership there's and they're better run generally than public roads france has a lot of private roads for example so healthcare no <laughs> what? that's not that's healthcare is not something anything where the government's involved so, except for the protection yeah. of individual rights this is the randian view to the best of my knowledge this is yeah. the objectivist argument have you read and something has, besides the novels on ayn rand or watched videos or like researched it? Um, no, I don't no. think so. I know I've read a lot. I've, I've read Atlas Shrugged and yeah. a little bit of The Fountainhead, and I've watched a lot of talks and lectures. Actually, you watched talks. Okay. I haven't read like the phil philosophy, yeah, no, philosophical but, books, but you've, but or any other this books. This isn't just from the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not just from the story, yeah, derived from the story, but there's a manifesto in Atlas Shrugged that explains all of that. Right. That's it's I John Galt's big speech yeah. that explains really lays out the philosophy of objectivism. And then I've really looked into it and watched talks about it and had it explained and broken down. And it's mm -hmm. interesting. Right. How it translates into reality mm -hmm. has its gaps for me where I'm, and also in terms of human interaction, like yeah. it's less black and white and objectivism doesn't say much about the positive responsibility or morality of doing something for other people that you might not gain anything from other than, if you walk by a car and someone's locked inside and they need help, it doesn't speak to that proactive right. responsibility. If you see a baby in a car, are you? Is it immoral to just walk by? Well, that's how she died. In Rand, she was locked in a car in the in the summer. No one, not a single person, helped her. We'll clip that. <laughs> she didn't. I think she did. Is that? Are you being serious? She was in her nineties. She was sitting in a car and she was banging on the window. Oh, this is good. And not a person would help her. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs>
I'm Ayn Rand. In other words, it talks a lot about how someone is protected from other people and it articulates a really, I think it articulates a lot of really sound views on politics and economics when it comes to actual morality and, you know, in certain scenarios. (laughs) Was that a sneeze? It was like a half sneeze, half laugh. Okay. In terms of actual morality, they say you should help other people yeah. if it benefits you. This idea of rational self-interest right. and selfishness as a virtue. It's a hard thing to swallow because mm-hmm. people associate selfishness. If I told you, yeah, you should meet this person and come hang them. They're really selfish. You'd say no because it has a real negative foundation. Right. And they try to rescue that term. And, or, and, and more accurately, it's rational self-interest. And that's been very helpful to me as a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Doing what's in your best interest, not to the hurt and, and, uh, detriment. and detriment of other people because yeah. that's not good either. That's not good for you. Right. But there are scenarios where you really, you know, they say, well, if you value human life in general, you would help the person. I'm like, "Mm, you're stretching it. So if there's scenarios where, not lifeboat scenarios, but if you walk by a car and you see a baby locked in the car, what does objectivism say about that? Should you break the window down and help the baby? Now, would you want to live in a society where people would let babies sit in cars? You could say for your own self-interest, you would break the car because you want an elevated society with, Mm -hmm. with high morality. But then you're starting to stretch. Does, is it immoral to walk away from the car? I would probably, my instincts would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if objectivism would. I can't speak for objectivism. But that does say a lot of things that are valuable about human interactions, political interactions, and the separation fully of government from economics, just like church and state is very effective in mm-hmm. keeping the peace between religions. Church and economics would be much better right. in terms of keeping the peace between transactions and human beings. Is objectivism the basis for libertarianism? No. No. Objectivism hates libertarianism, even though they're kind of What's similar. the difference? Well, libertarianism is more of a political philosophy. Yeah. Objectivism is philosophy, philosophy. It's morality. It's everything. Got it, it encompasses epistemology, the source of knowledge, how we know things, talks about reason. Like, libertarianism doesn't talk about why individual rights are moral. It kind of talks about the what governmental uh, system right. is best for... And it talks about human rights yeah. and things. There's overlap, obviously. But libertarianism is a little more focused on... On politics, the role of government. Did you ever read that article about the town in New Hampshire that went full-on libertarian? This isn't a joke. It sounds like a setup for a joke. Yeah, but what happened? I think literally six months into into this experiment, the town was so overrun by wild bears that that it became deserted and no one lives there anymore. Bears were, were maiming and killing people on the regs. Yeah. And everyone moved. Okay. <laughs> I promise. It's an amazing article. I think it was in the New Yorker. Well, what does that tell you? At least human beings weren't the problem. They were free. <laughs> but bears don't respect individual bears don't respect individual <laughs> rights. That's a great story. That's a funny because take it's on it. so out of left field in terms of all the problems that critiques of libertarianism would expect to happen. Getting maimed by a bunch of bears. Well, no, well, the problem was bears were in, were roaming the streets, and it was no one's responsibility to get rid of them. There was and, nobody who owned the roads. Um, I think I think they were they were on like porches. They were on like people's porches, and people just couldn't come out of their houses. <laughs> and 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 the expectation was, well, someone will start a company because people will pay to get the bears, but no one did. And everyone just left. <laughs> I wonder if this story of yours would stand up to libertarian scrutiny to examine what's going on here. Yeah. I'm curious. We should get a libertarian on the podcast. Yeah, yeah you have one. Are you? Is that your official... Uh, um, card carrying. You- no, I mean, but if I had to describe myself, am I officially? I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'd say I'm, a, I'm definitely You wouldn't say you're a Republican or... No. No. No, because no. Republican Democrat are just political parties. Uh-huh. Right, philosophically. Philosophically, like... 
Republicans violate principles of libertarianism all the time right? in terms of the role of government. Right. Now, sometimes there can be – you risk an ideological purism with libertarian mm -hmm. where a stop sign is just as wrong as murder. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that – there are some schools and, and leanings of libertarianism where any type of government involvement, mm -hmm. anything is evil. And I can understand that because if force is wrong and taxes and all these things, if taxes force and if taxes are by coercion and mm -hmm. all that – is evil then any taxes are evil and you can't justify anything so uh, i'm libertarian to the max amount of allowing government to be small enough to function and do what it does properly and appropriately which is mm -hmm. protecting individual rights and i believe that if implemented those ways you tend to see things working so much better mm -hmm. and there's countless examples of it and i've read a lot of on the economic side of things from authors like thomas Sowell and milton friedman um and Hazlitt and Bastiat and all these guys on the economic side. I've read some and Rand that has influenced my views on this stuff a lot. And, and when you say you read, you mean you watched the videos? No, I've read. Oh, okay. I've all read all those guys and watched their videos. All right. But only <laughs> that. I read nothing else. Um, but in general, yeah, do I identify as that? I definitely lean libertarian on yeah. most things and most solutions. As we've seen over the last like two years, any major source of problems in society can almost always be traced back to large amounts of this government. Is a, this is a big yeah. comment I'm going to make and very broad brush, but large amounts of government intervention that gets involved in the constant argument is, well, we need more of it. We need more of it. Right. And I would always argue, no, we need less of it. Yeah. You know, there are no well, solutions. There are only trade-offs. And every time the government does something, there's a cost. And oftentimes the cost is worse than the benefit. COVID being a massive example. Everyone's like public health. You got to have the government involved in public health. Seems like a disaster to me, even if I had no political leanings. Right. I, I do like the frame of mind of in, if something's not working, the solution isn't we're not we're not doing more. more we're not doing enough of it. It's mm -hmm. maybe we should be doing something completely different. Um, and if you get more on the, uh, you know, when you get critiques of libertarianism, you or you oftentimes get. You'll get. These oddly framed positions where the left sort of has a monopoly on the language of good intentions mm -hmm. where it's like, we want to provide healthcare for everybody. You don't. It's like, yeah, of course that would be a good thing if right. more people had access to healthcare, but they frame it as to be against their policy is to be mm -hmm. against their aims. Right. Which is to say, I think healthcare would be much more widely available for my position. If you got rid of licensure laws and you know that with insurance, you can only buy like, Fixed amounts per state. Yeah. You can't buy across state lines. With Geico and other types of insurance, you can buy across state lines. And, and nobody complains about the mm -hmm. access to homeowners insurance, other yeah. types of insurance. But with health insurance, somehow it's a huge problem. You can't buy across state lines. There's a yeah. massive racket. And I'm not to say that private business is pure and good, but you have to figure out mechanisms that incentivize those entities to – you blink. That means you're bored. Um, <laughs> you have to incentivize <laughs> private companies to incentivize the free market yeah. to be to behave better. How do you do that? Get the government out of it. Yeah. Because what they often do is there's this big collusion between big business and big government to line the pockets of these people, and the consumers suffer with rising prices and worse quality. Oftentimes, here I go. You don't even need to talk. You blinked again. <laughs> but the point is, if you can trace it back, everyone mm. likes to say we have this free market and it's failing. But it's oftentimes you find a lot of in yeah. areas where there is no government, it's purely free market, like Silicon Valley and technology and other areas. You see, you see examples of it everywhere. Is all I'm saying. And yeah. to be against what say Democrats or people on the left want the yeah. government to do, we could say, well, I just think other mechanisms and free people yeah. would do it much better. 
I, I do think it's a problem that you. It seems like you said the democ or the left has like a monopoly in the language of helping people. Mm-hmm. It it there there is this feeling of we we're the ones who care about people, and you're the ones who care about you know your your pockets and 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 then you see someone like nancy pelosi who like who 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 does like that's her brand i i care about people i'm gonna Mm. get trump out i'm gonna fight for you etc etc and then you see what's going on with her like stock market trades and Mm. her refusal to admit any wrongdoing and you're like do you care about people we we are going to trade it is a market and we are (laughs) going to keep trading and there. I should retire. (laughs) I really need to lay down. Right? They all need to lay down. That's also there. But then there's like Republican, Democrat, and then there's more agreeable categories of elites and non-elites. It's almost like a more sinister... It's 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 almost even more sinister than than what you would see like an old white Republican man mm-hmm. because like he's not he's not necessarily pretending to yeah, care. Yeah, he's not claiming to care about the little guy. Yeah, she w- is. W- where whereas whereas you get a feeling also in the personal life like he 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 does a nice thing. He probably like is involved in his community and like m- he might care about humanity on sort of like a smaller level. Whereas when you when you uh, perform like you care about humanity on such a large level, what it means is you don't care about any individual really at all. I actually also call the bluff on people who lean left wing. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to speak. I have friends and stuff of that persuasion. I lean left wing. Like I, I, I do, I do, uh, I, I do uh, sympathize more with someone like Nancy, you, Nancy Pelosi. I Nancy. understand. I understand. But let me ask you something then. If you're claiming to lean left wing, you claim to care about all everybody, but do you really care about them more in your no. intimate circles? No, I don't. I don't think I truly do care about people sometimes. But you care about your wife, and right, Your children right, right. and your friends, yeah. Child and your child. Yeah. You you care about. In other words, people. Are, oh, we care about everybody, and there's this feigned uh, egalitarian. Like, we care about everybody the same, and every you know. And I understand that the really the argument is like everyone deserves an equal sort of opportunity. Mm-hmm. But if you asked any left winger, can you pick me up at the airport? I'm a stranger. Can you do me that? Right. They wouldn't do it. Right. Where is? Hey, some- can you pick? Not even a friend they would do it for. But if you went up to them and said, "Hey, can you help me out?" Or most, it's not that they're any. I'm just saying they don't. They're not any more sympathetic, or I, or or humane. I think some people are more humane than yeah. other people, and some people are more sympathetic. Yeah. But it's not because of their right. politics. And these people who claim to be globally in favor of all these things right. that they want the government to do, it's really a way to take the moral responsibilities off of them and put it on other people to say the government should do it. And oddly enough, the people who come to mind that I think would pick up a stranger, they do happen to be conservative. And there's these Republican small town guys with these yeah. values. I'm not saying it, 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 the lines fall that cleanly. Right, right. It's just, it's I think a, it's about the person. Mm-hmm. And there's a, so much variety among individual human beings. I'm like, that's why I'm an individualist. I just don't buy this whole idea that, you know, I've known people who say it's just wrong that there's not universal health care and they don't give a shit about anybody. Right. <laughs> and what does that say about right, that? Right, right, right. I'm like, you wouldn't do shit for anybody. Yeah. You're more selfish than that Republican you're saying is a monster in Congress. Mm-hmm. You're totally more. You, and, and I find that very funny and, and ironic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and the like, argument is generally as the government gets bigger, the elites, so you have Pelosi, whoever it is, but elites in, of, across the, stratus, uh, the strata of business, finance, uh, big business, uh, big pharma, they all collude together to, to set the rules. Right. And the only reason that works is because the government ultimately has the power. There's a great line and they determine what happens. So then it creates this vacuum and magnet of people that go to the government to get things done instead of trying to appeal to consumers. 
What's the line you were gonna say? There's a line from House of Cards, which is really, really good. Uh -huh. And when that show was strong, it was strong. Yeah, I Where stopped watching after Frank Underwood. Yeah, yeah he, so he's sitting down with the big business tycoon. I forget his name. Mm -hmm. One of the, it, it, there's a whole thing about he's a massive billionaire, and he's trying to you know he's fighting with Francis Underwood. And they sit down in this rib joint where they used to get ribs. Yeah, another place. He says, you see, you may have all the money, but I have all the men with guns. Anyway, I forget what his name was, Lester or something. You see, Lester, you may have all the money, <laughs> but I have all the men with guns. So, and it, it goes to, it goes to uh, Game of Thrones, too. It, like, in my mind, he, Lord Baelish says to Cersei, knowledge is power. And she goes, cut his throat. <laughs> she goes, Power is power. I love that line. I, th I think that's a much better line than the Both. House of Cards I one. mean, House of Cards is more <laughs> modern context. I have the men with guns. It doesn't yeah. matter what your money can do or what your money can buy. I have the power of force behind me. And yeah. it doesn't matter how big ExxonMobil gets. It can't put a gun to your head and say, buy my product. It can only go to the government to tell you to buy their product. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hear it. Well, either way, I, um, I think the line from Game of Thrones is better, but when it was something Rogan, is, is it Rogan or maybe Crystal? Uh, Crystal Cigar, I think, is probably where I got it from, and maybe we can switch topics. You're, like, obsessed with After this, yeah. is that um, what, what the elites are trying to do is cover up that a lot of the divisiveness in our country really is top versus bottom, elites, mm -hmm. the haves versus the have-nots. And, and, and if, if people realized that the real separation was the have and the have-nots, that, that could really lead to some sort of change. Mm -hmm. Instead, what they want to do is, let's break up the have-nots into right and left. Mm -hmm. and, 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 they'll, and they'll we can split them that way. Meanwhile, at the top, right, left, they're all haves, and they're all at the same parties. They're all part of the same clubs. They all want the same things. Yeah. They just happen to be part of this party or that party. So I hear that argument a lot, and it just sounds way too clean and calculated to me. <laughs> if only we could get the have-nots to fight each other. We could have all the riches. There's Is that Nancy Pelosi? That was good. Yes, I'm Nancy <laughs> Pelosi. Yes, the Republicans are trying to get rid of the filibuster. Oh. Yeah, she should talk like that. She should. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's her real voice. If she got in there and says, I motion to <laughs> dismiss the Congress today. With her nails. Oh, that would be really good. But instead, she's... I need to lie down. We can trade, and we will trade. Is that a good Pelosi? I think it's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> she really needs to lie down. It's time. It's time. She's tired. Um, I hear that argument. It's too squeaky clean, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of it really comes down to the political divide between people is people like me who suspect a lot of the ills and problems in our society and government stem from too much government and all of those corruptible people and people who lean more left-wing seem to see, see the same problems and attribute it to these schemy, big-business, tech, pharma people who are mm -hmm. in it for profit. And to me, the people who are in it for power are much more suspect, mm -hmm. and they're just as corruptible as the business people, But because we're all human beings and everybody's incentivized by different things, but, or, or similar things, we're greed, whatever it is. But um, the point is that... The people who are in it for power, I think we should have a much higher level of skepticism and distrust for inherently yeah. than someone who's trying to make products and make money making products that we will benefit from directly. Jeff Bezos, to me, is a lot less scary a guy than any congressman or senator trying to ascend and get more power. Because Jeff Bezos has made Amazon for us. And everything in this room and everything that we use, it's, the benefits of Jeff Bezos are so obvious and we just take it for granted, what he's done. It's very easy to see why he's rich. Yeah. 
He's and he's powerful in a very yeah. different way. Jeff Bezos doesn't really have power over me in the way that the mayor or the governor who locks down right. schools and restaurants and businesses has power over us. Yeah. And yet people think villainize Jeff Bezos and they praise politicians as our heroes who work for the yeah. people. I just don't get that. That's a crazy test. Look around a room and and think about all the things that come from Amazon. And it's and that that's wild. It's a big and random uh, like objectivist thing is that they really praise business in a lot of ways. And they think it's, it's not just being pro business to be pro business. Uh. The gas that you get that you say, this is disgusting. You know how much work and effort and sweat it takes to get gas from a rock in the ground to your car so that you could drive wherever you want. There's so much taken for granted on that side. And yet we villainize and demonize them in our culture. And and yet all for, because that guy's trying to make money doing it. Mm. And it's a small price to pay to give Exxon or Bezos billions of dollars to get what we get. Mm -hmm. And yet somebody who's like, I think I want to have power over people. And I'll say it's for good reasons. Right. But I'm actually going to use the power of having the, you know, with the power of force, the power of the gun. Mm -hmm. I can want to rule over people and make decisions that will affect people against their will. That person is given praise. So what about, it's so weird. Then what about a billionaire? And, and let, let's end on this. What yeah. about a billionaire who... Runs for office. Is he the worst of both worlds? No, not necessarily. I trust him more, actually, because mm -hmm. he's less swayed by, probably less swayed, him or her, more. <laughs> I trust them more because they, had, they, they, they can't be swayed financially. They already have the power. They made their fortune. Yeah. And if they're seeking it, I actually would think they're doing it for, my gut would say they might be doing it for actually better reasons than somebody who, their currency is power. These people have enough currency. Yeah. But at the same time, if, they, if they're using it to benefit their companies, if there's a conflict of interest, I get it. But that's why I would restrict the role of government to not have any effect on business, you see, because mm -hmm. it's way too close for comfort for me. As if, if you can work in government and then give special breaks and things like that to your political favors mm -hmm. to business, it's dangerous. Right. And so anyway, off of that note, um, addicted to content. content addiction. We'll talk about that now. Um, yeah. That was quite a political first half of Buckle Up or Three Yeah, quarters. I liked it better, though, because it was more a bird's eye view than yeah. specifically with the vaccines. Yeah, stuff. and you say you lean left, but we, we can go off of it. But of what I said, is anything so objectionable or it's something to think about? I'm curious. No, no, no. Because no, you gave I, me a few boring blinks there, like, here, Ami goes again with this bullshit. No, no, I, I feel like you're more... Uh, you, you you can speak much more intelligently about about these overarching concepts mm -hmm. than anything specific. Same same with me. Mm -hmm. um, no no all all of that sounds good, um, but these days I'm starting to I, I think I'm probably starting to think even like more more radically left. Like capitalism is inherently corrupt and like there's no good way to do it like i the other day i was really i was like i was really like like why is communism so bad like maybe we could make it work um uh, yeah i don't know and and more more like everyone should have health care and and the uh the the other way of thinking about it just like you, you may be right but it's never going to solve any problems I don't know. We but cannot content, end there. Content Holy addiction. Shit. <laughs> we'll get to content yeah. addiction. What was I thinking? Communism well, is so bad. Let me try to remember how, how I was thinking about it. Well, I, I think I was thinking about it like if the world ended and we were, because I was still in my like apocalyptic, mm -hmm. like I'm still thinking trip. about that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Trip. Um, if the world ended and we had to start again and somebody proposed capitalism 
What do you think capitalism is? I'm curious. Um, Let's define our terms. Uh, I don't even. I don't know how to define capitalism. The the right the right to pursue profit at any cost. I don't know. Whatever it's become today, I, I think. So well, let, let me bring it back to Nazi Germany for a, for a sure. second. I was reading, talking about how good people can get, can can do evil things. There was, there's this amazing. You mean like Stalin? Austrian writer? <laughs> no, not like Stalin. There's this amazing. Uh, I forgot his name, but mm-hmm. I have a, I have a friend from Austria, um, and when they he told me when they learn about World War II. It's. It, I told this before. They learn about it not as not the same way we do. They learn about it of how did Germany get us to do all these all these things? Like Germany's the bad guy, and we yeah. and we were under their spell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not not. I mean, I don't know. That's the way I remember him telling telling mm-hmm. me like that. You know, the, and and how can we prevent that from happening again? So there's this Austrian philosopher that that they that they learn as like kids in like elementary school, and he talked about his his sort of theory is that what happened in Nazi Germany was not an aberration. It wasn't like things were good and then things went sideways and we got the we got the Holocaust. It was the natural endpoint for German culture and the way that government ran was the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. That was always going to happen if you took it to its natural conclusion. It wasn't it, things didn't go sideways, they went straight forward and that's what you get. Where they were supposed to go. From what what was German culture? Like meaning the I I can't, saying, I, I don't want it? I don't want to give specifics, but it was it, it was sort of um um, like homogenous. I, I, I'm just thinking. Yeah. That, honestly, I can't. I there was a recipe baked into the cake that would have inevitably led to the, the end result. Exactly. Of, of exactly. Just no, no one wanted all tyrannical. Right. And so when I think about capitalism, you think about the natural endpoint for that is kind of where we where we are, where capitalism is going to get completely mixed up with politics. It's going to um, exploit all the labor as much as it possibly can until it can completely get rid of them, mm-hmm. and 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 it's just going to lead to these massive unequal distribution of 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 the money and the profit um and and just in every single time you try capitalism it's always going to lead that's the natural endpoint for it so why don't we try a different system right and and and, and do i and for a long time for a long time it works there's a lot of presumptions at at the end of it it's not going to work well for anyone there's there's a lot of presumptions from the get-go in there that you said and then we're going to get to content addiction There's a lot in there that isn't capitalism, what you're describing, and, and, oh man, I don't even know where to begin, Michael. That was, that was so batshit crazy. <laughs> I was going to say. Was it? Was it really so crazy? A little bit, because there's a lot of, I think this idea, capitalism means money. Capitalism means profit. Mm-hmm. Okay? But if you, if you, everything has profit. Everything, every system has a, a mechanism of profit. The question is, how do you get profit? What does profit mean? And what political system are you operating in that allows one to gain where, without other people losing? Because in what you said, there's a zero-sum fallacy where where people get rich, that means somebody else has to get poor. Right. So, so, so there's a fallacy of the zero-sum fallacy in what you said, and I can explain that, what that means. I, know, I, I think I understand what that means, but I, I would say almost it's a fallacy to think at the end of the day it's not going to be zero-sum. Well, yes, but the question is, I understand that, but the question is, what is the cause of what you're talking about? We talk about the system, these kind of big, vague terms. Capitalism, semantics-wise, let's just get the terms, definition of terms. 
We're talking about a system. Crony capitalism, I guess, would be. Cronyism is a better term. It's a better, more descriptive term. But doesn't capitalism mean cronyism? No. How does it not? Every example in history where capitalism has been tried, you realize that most people lived on ten cents a day until the middle of until pre-industrial revolution. Mm. Everybody died at thirty, and then all of a sudden we started introducing. It wasn't the natural state of things that we had capitalism. We had for years. We had, you know, uh, feudalism and uh, arist- aristocracy and things awarded to people by birthright, not by people didn't get rich because they provided services that other people liked. People mm-hmm. got rich because of their birthright mm-hmm. that was stolen and taken by kings and monarchs and repressive regimes and massive enslavements of other populations over the centuries. And then all of a sudden, and human wealth was down here. Everybody was poor, almost everybody, except for a few elites. What you're describing as this apocalyptic endpoint was the state of humanity for most of history. And then at some point, we started introducing these concepts post-enlightenment of individual rights. You had Locke and Paine and these, these thinkers of the Enlightenment that started introducing these ideas that maybe it's the individual who's sovereign. We don't need a king above us to decide what the price of rights should be, where you had a, uh, some overarching body deciding things and having no price mechanism, no marketplace to trade freely, causing massive... I'm going to get off on a tangent. But my point is, that was the state of things. And almost everybody was poor except your few people and you were happened to be born into the right you know, royal family. You were rich and prosperous and everybody else was uh-huh. poor. And that's what you see in North Korea. I don't think Kim Jong-un... Il? Un? Kim Jong-un. The leaders live well. Everybody else. Do you think he's a doctor? Do you think he calls himself a doctor? Maybe. He calls himself yeah. everything. Dr. Kim Jong un. Everybody else in these societies that have rulers and repressive regimes without uh-huh. any capitalism, there's not a trace of capitalism in the communist, in the communist republic of North Korea. That's mm-hmm. for the people, the working people, the exploited people that you're talking about in Venezuela. Most of those people are poor. Mm-hmm. They survive. They can't get bread. They can't get basic things. They're poor. And only the elites so, rule. Okay, well, there isn't so capitalism. Se- se- Once se- you start introducing capitalism, yeah. in, Hong Kong was a fishing village in the 70s and it started to introduce a little bit of capitalism and some massive upticks in wealth right. and poverty reductions across the board. Right. But has anyone ran so, the experiment for as long as America has been running it? For capitalism? Yeah. It's a good question. And uh, maybe at the end of, uh, of all these experiments, the same thing happens. The same way at the end well, of all communist experiments. I've, I've heard anarchists yeah. argue that what happens with capitalism is you get massive freedom and massive wealth creation across the board. Then you get a government who says, ooh, wealth. Let's tax it. Let's leverage it. Let's inflate it. Uh, let's, co- let's, let's leverage it with debt and issue debt on our country and then collapse the country. So maybe you're talking about some overall ma- macro thing, but that's not capitalism. That's government. Right. So, uh, so my point is, a lot of capitalism gets such a bad rap without mm. attributing all the things that it does that are good. Yeah, but no, but that goes without saying. I'm it not... doesn't go without saying. All right, so, so, so you just said you, it. I said it. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, it sounded like it goes without saying. You're like capitalism was caused. No, all no, these I'm problems. not. No, well, if if you take it as a binary, so maybe I. So then, then, then there's some. There's certain things cap- to understand that when somebody gets wealthy in a capitalist system. Oftentimes, it's because people rewarded them freely for what they do. LeBron James gets rich because we like watching him play basketball. Bezos gets rich because Amazon crushed the competition and we love the products and services. We forget all of that. Nobody questions why these celebrities are wealthy. When Brad Pitt makes zillions of dollars from a movie, we don't say everyone else is poorer because Brad Pitt's richer. It's a funny reason. It's a funny way to explain LeBron James. People like watching him play basketball. <laughs> he, it's he's true. He's adding value. It's I mean, true. We are no, paying for value. Yeah. We made him rich. Yeah. All of us made him rich. And then people talk about exploitation and labor, forgetting the voluntary element of it, that people are choosing to work in certain in certain environments yes and, and, no. and you have yes limited, no. that but, goes... but but some of the some of the things that are laid at the feet of capitalism at fault of capitalism 
is just the fault of life itself and that we live in a scarce uh, 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 an environment where there is scarcity there is mm -hmm. not abundance we don't live in the garden of eden where everything is just available to everybody so in a world with scarce resources that have all these alternative uses we have to make choices and we attribute what's valuable people talk about certain they should get paid more that group but we don't but society is deciding, like, we're democratizing that. We're deciding what the price of labor should be, what the price of this should be. There's so many different transactions going on in a capitalist market that make things, people forget why prices are the way they are. Why doesn't Exxon just raise its prices three, three times as much as they, why don't they do that? They, they should if they're greedy. And then when I, the price goes down of gas, do we assume Exxon is less I, greedy? I don't think gas, I, I, can't, I can't speak that intelligently. There is, I don't think the price of gas is so market-based. I think OPEC and governments do play a very heavy hand. I'm only disputing, yeah, I get that. So but I'm only disputing so the like, argument that fine. it's all just greed and they're just determining this at yeah. will. There's this fixed pie of wealth and it's only given to certain yeah. people. So, I think that's all could be easy. Is easily so, so, so forget my original introduction of like <laughs> the binary between either we're capitalist or we're communism. That that's that's that's. I I guess I'm just more in the frame of mind of I'm open to alternatives to capitalism. I'm I'm open to the idea that like someone that no one in this country. I mean. Whatever, I'll just say it, that that once you hit fifty billion dollars, you basically can't have more than fifty billion dollars. Once once you make fifteen billion dollars in this country, the government takes most of it and gives it back to like the country, uh, to 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 whoever to whoever needs it back so into Elon the. Musk, Elon Musk said, you know, all this all this anti-billionaire BS. You know, uh, you could take all the money from all the billionaires and you wouldn't solve the deficit. Sure, yeah, and and oh. I I also agree with him, but oh. like, but I'm just I'm just sort of like in that. I more, understand more that, that this there's this seeming that's like the Marxist appeal. Seems like there's such an injustice when you have this people with such abundance and people with very little, and you could just seem to easily solve that. But I just don't think the equation yeah. works that way because what happens to those billions of dollars? They don't just sit in a mattress. It gets invested in. They kind of do. I don't know if they, they do. No, that, all I mean, the businesses. That and, whole and, thinking. Oh. That whole thinking. I think is fallacious. Mm. I think it's in that case. In that way, you just used fallacious. it. That means blowjob. By the way. <laughs> Uh, a lot of the money that we see from these uh, these excess that they're not going to use personally does get invested back into. A I don't mean like job creation. I just you, I think that that that's the myth. I think that Reaganomics wants you to believe so they can keep all their money. It's not Reaganomics. I've heard this arguments made by you know. I've just hit my limits of how of how much it. I can talk about. It's this. a Milton Friedman <laughs> argument too. When you say we we just shouldn't have billionaires, we just shouldn't have billionaires, I does think presents a fundamental misunderstanding of how. Is wealth, that what Milt sounded like? No, that's one. Of, he was talking to someone on Phil Donahue. Is he a Milton Friedman? Is he alive? No, oh, he passed away in the nineties, ninety four. I thought he was from like the sixteen hundreds. Milton Friedman? No, you're thinking of Adam Smith. I'm thinking of Adam Smith. Who's right Milton Friedman? The wealth of Nations. What? Yeah. Who's Milton Friedman was a modern day. In the economist, prominent economist, Nobel Prize winning economist oh. of that stripe, uh, very prominent in ending the draft in in the U.S. So really? you're welcome. He I was a big that. part of it because he was very much into individual rights and how the draft was immoral. That was that was not his claim to fame. A Jew? That was one of his things. Huh? A Jew? Oh, yes. Good. And he spoke like this. The, excuse me if you'll pardon me. He spoke like this. Very civil, very mature. That's how people used to speak. Yeah, huh? it was great. I discovered him in college watching these th a series called Free to Choose, uh. and it's him and a, and a bunch of leftists and Marxists and capitalists arguing. William like, F. Buckley also used to... Yeah. Well, how, how come we don't talk in that cadence so, so, anymore? It's, 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 yeah, William F. Buckley had, had a show called Fire and Line. <laughs> and if you watch clips, have you seen Fire and Line? He's, a, he's like very low in his chair. Very like low in his chair. So now you're a Marxist. Now Marx... Uh, you know, Ghali once said that in the early histories of 19th, early 18th century, there were um, 
I'm going to keep going on this, Michael. We'll have the rest of the podcast and I'll be William F. Buckley. Now, <laughs> you made some arguments about capitalism. No, no, no. That's no, not no, true. No, no, it's, simply not, it's simply not true. No, no. You, you, you made an argument that communism... It's observably not true. You, you said something quite astounding to me. You said, what's wrong with communism? Well, there's a lot. A lot wrong with communism. Where was he from, though? He didn't. He like, had a southern drawl. He had a southern drawl. And it's kind of a way. He had a unique way of speaking, F. Yeah. Buckley. But I love that time. When I watch yeah. that stuff online and it's civil and interesting and stimulating and not ownage, even though there is like people well, owning each real other. Real debate. Real debate yeah. and respect. Like yeah. intellectual foes. Yeah. I miss that because I don't care. If, I mean, it's fun to watch some of this stuff now, yeah. but it's become like... Like, you oh, know, it's totally politics si- siloed. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. And I got educated on That's how I discovered Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell and all these hero yeah. intellectual heroes of mine was because of a show called Free to Choose. My point to you is you also asked about what's wrong with you saying, I'm just going to say it. What and then we're going to get to yes. content addiction. <laughs> you said, I'm just going to say it. What was I going to say? Oh, that. Um, like, I'm just going to say it. Oh, that maybe communism ain't that bad. Is that what you. <laughs> I, so I you think, talk I about people talk I... about these alternative systems. One has to accept, first of all, as a given that we just don't live in. Nirvana, paradise is not for this world, that we can just assume goods come out of thin air. Wealth has to be created, ideas and um, services and things that we take for granted that we just have as a given or that are provided to us have to come based on the human efforts of some other of other people that do it. Mm-hmm. We, we can't just declare something a right and then it becomes, the, it, becomes, uh, it becomes available. So that's one thing to accept because oftentimes it's laid at the feet of capitalism. Oh, but that doesn't provide enough of this or enough of that. And n- the question isn't, is capitalism provide nirvana and perfection for this world, but does it provide the most efficient and best mechanisms and most moral means of creating goods and services that free people can trade? And I sure, think you would but, agree on yeah, that. Yeah, you can agree on that, but can, can you also then say, but, then I, but, it's, but, it, but it's not perfect and it needs to be adjusted? Yeah, because then I think what happens with what you're saying is that you then look for other things that an economic system is not supposed to provide, meaning, mm. fulfillment relationships these, oh, that's these not other, what I'm saying well you're saying that you're saying that it doesn't do enough but in what sense you're saying no I, I I'm just saying that by definition it's always going to lead to a bad outcome for a lot of people that it's it's this it's and this I can argue I can argue thing. that it leads to the least bad outcomes of all the other systems for so many so, more so people, we're, we're and not, every other example has led to mass starvation, death, murder. We're not saying different things. I, I'm saying it leads to a bad outcome, and you're saying fine, but that bad outcome ain't that bad. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We, t- I mean, if you think about it, um, if you compare poverty, what we call poor here, and our poverty yeah. line here, and it's a hard, and you know, from my position, I come from being raised in an upper middle class background and family, it's hard to say this with real any authority. So I'll mm-hmm. put that out there, full disclosure. But you can look at the stats of what poverty looks like in India versus what poverty looks like here, and we call it both poverty. But what only rich people could afford fifty years ago, the average person in America can afford now. Once upon yeah. a time, these things were microwaves and cars were luxury items, and no one would say owning owning a Pontiac or whatever, whatever sort of low price point car. No one would say that today is a luxury item. It would just be, it's a given. That's what people need. But my point is that those things over time have become more available to more masses of people yeah. as we have more capitalism. You get a correlation there because it'll, it allows for, right. And it, it allows for that. And these other systems that you're yeah. talking about have only led repeatedly right. to the average person being repressed and oppressed but I, I, I wonder if... In terms of what, in I, communism, I when, you're, been, when you say communism, do you mean a dictator? Because it inevitably leads to one. No, no, no. I don't... I, 
No, fine. So I, I wish I hadn't said communism. I wish I had said j- just some did. other system. You did, Mike. I, I, wonder, I wonder if in 25, 30, 50 years, if the average person who isn't doing that well economically here would say, I feel oppressed and repressed and, like my, and I don't feel free. I don't feel free to, to pursue what I want and to compete. Mm. Um, and for my, and for my kids to have a better life. Like, I, I feel like the dynamics are such that they're, it, it's pretty, it's a pretty foregone conclusion as to what their lives are going to look like. Yeah. No matter what they do. Uh, well, I wonder, and, and, but while, while a lot of people, whatever, I don't know. I understand that. I, yeah. I, I also understand that. I don't understand that. <laughs> no, I, I, what I, I'm saying I is just I get watched, that I just watched a show called Dope Sick on Hulu, mm-hmm. which was really, really good. Your TV watching is outstanding. I don't know how you cover so much, so much ground. It's a good thank you. I that, that's a very just nice the, the scope of what you've seen. <laughs> I, I basically that. TikTok for hours while you're watching enriching <laughs> content. It's it's based on a documentary I believe that I also watched about um, Purdue pharma and oxycontin and and how that whole thing happened mm-hmm. and one of the one of the storylines was like was a, a coal mining family in west virginia um and but i think the, the thing that speaks to you about that show is how powerless these these families who were basically victimized were against against this pharmaceutical company right. where uh, I think uh, theoretically they shouldn't be they should have options through their elected representatives um to to have recourse to, to have recourse and and to change things and to alert people and like the fda if the fda was supposed to be doing its job and it wasn't doing its job and whatever and i mean that's that's more the frame of mind where i'm like mm-hmm. these people really don't live in the same country mm-hmm. a lot of other people live in do you think those people would be this is going to be a dumb yeah. argument so prepare yourself would they be better under communism no would they be better in north korea as no 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 of course not and i'm, or, not, I'm, I'm not, just, not so so communism shouldn't be the alternative but but, Maybe you mean to say how do we how do we make the areas that fall short or between the cracks better? That's all you're really saying. Well, because if everything no, else that, is that, work- that's not really what I'm saying. That's not really what I'm saying. I what what I am saying because it's awfully is, reckless is to say let's rip, rip the system down and start. something I'm not new. saying that. I'm ju- I'm just saying the ine- it seems that the inevitable outcome of capitalism is to morph into crony capitalism and then and then sort of morph into something more sinister. Right. That's why um, it goes back in full circle to me being very weary and skeptical and concerned about an ever expanding government that gets involved because crony capitalism is just as bad as anything else. It's not sure, capitalism. I don't have I don't have cronyism is, is big government. All I have uh, is a podcast, not solutions. So I get it, but I'm just saying crony capitalism is fair because what is that? That's, to me, the problem. It's not that I think that businesses are actually saints always acting in our best interest trying to give us just stuff that we like to buy. They have their incentives too. The question is if, how do you channel those incentives so that when somebody makes a profit, they win and yeah. I win? It, it, feel, it feels like once we're in crony capitalism, I don't, I don't understand and I've never heard really anyone, maybe except for Andrew Yang, who's, who doesn't really have any ideas mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> good ideas. And no one has has given any idea of how do UBI, we how do we like get out of corny capitalism. No one. Everyone's like this is a problem, so and no one. The big knows how argument to get out is the it. push. Some the people on the like Democrats and and Republicans will say we need more government policies to regulate these evil businesses. Yeah, but you can't and make government policies now. No one. Can my do point. I'm saying anywhere. the two arguments that fight each other is yeah. one is we need more regulation to control them, and I'm like you're just as corruptible, you saint in government as anybody else. And you're going to operate on behalf of yourself and whoever is greasing right. you. Yeah. And and the people in, in my side of the aisle would say, no, get out of, get out of. And then there's someone in between who says, who is just pro-business mm-hmm. and says, no, we need to award businesses. We need to give them these things and loopholes. It's like, no, don't give loopholes and awards. Get a, Separate the two. Think about church and state. 
you can make all these arguments with that analogy of, well, no, we should award the Christian church more and the Jewish and the Jewish people and all these different factions of religious factions. Who should have more power now? How should the pendulum swing? Because they're all fighting and infighting because we give some groups power and then we give other groups power. It's like, no, separate the church and state. It's a brilliant idea. Let free people decide who they want to affiliate with religiously. They form their groups and everybody's happy and filled and, and, and generally it's peaceful relationships when you do. It's when you have an officially sanctioned religion in a country that you get problems. I, I hear you saying all this and my only reaction is no one can do anything. Yeah. Even if someone had a good idea, nothing can get done. So what's the point of even talking about I don't it? Know. Let's just talk about content addiction. Okay. <laughs> I understand. But I'm glad we fleshed out. It's fun. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I maxed you out. But then again, you went and said some crazy ass shit that I had to correct for the for the folks. For Fair the folks enough. out there. Uh, um, who is that guy that I don't know if I moved you, and I'm not trying to, but I I I, th I understand what you're saying. No, no, no. I I, I hear you. No, you, you And you, we're you back. Know, you, you move me in the sense <laughs> that um I, I take back what I said about communism is better. Mm. Um I don't I, I don't think I ever fully meant that. Um yeah. 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 And anyway, this argument that underlies everything is just people forget that when we talk about organizing society, the we, we all should just, you're talking about forcing people to do things they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And that never seems to be so, uh, that needs to be pointed out. Every time you hear somebody, socialism, worker co-ops, it's democratized. We all vote. It's, it's like, yeah, but what if I don't want to do that? It's like, no, no, you have to do that. That's what we're all doing. There's this element of you got to go along with this because we're all in this society and mm -hmm. we're all this collective. So you don't have a voice. It's almost the opposite of, Anne Rand used to say, the smallest, we want, we, we want to be protective of minorities. The smallest minority in the country is the individual. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about it, that's the smallest minority. That one person has very little power. The masses have the power. Yeah. Protect the minority. I like it. Um, Michael, how are you feeling on content addiction? Beautiful it, I was walking here to this podcast. I had my phone on in my pocket that was yeah. playing a clip. Yeah. So I saw you walking. I asked you to, to go grab me a coffee and a Chewy, and uh, you came back holding two mugs with a phone in your pocket playing a podcast, and I thought to myself, he does that too? I, I am constantly – I have to – it takes all the discipline in the world for me to not start playing podcasts from the moment I wake up. Pretty much from after I start right after I'm done writing, um, there's something playing until I go to sleep. Like almost like I'm constantly listening to podcasts. Now I'm constantly checking. As sad as it's as it is to admit it, I'm constantly checking the numbers on like our reels and the likes and stuff. Um, I'm constantly refreshing Instagram. Um, and it's, I mean, last night also, I was feeling so awful and I was just like, maybe I should just turn my phone off for like 15 minutes and see how that makes me feel. Um, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. The pod, the podcasts are the worst though. The ones you're listening to? The, 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 the yeah, because podcast is like, if you're a curious person and you, you like, you like learning and like hearing stuff, it's just this, it's like this, it's so immediate and so great. Right now on my, on my feed, I have like Conan O'Brien interviewing Zach Galifianakis Joe Rogan, Tim Dillon on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan on Tim Dillon. Um, that's like, what, nine hours of content there? <laughs> um, like just in my queue and like, um, and like five others that like I'm just waiting to listen to. You know what it feels like? It feels like curiosity that's gluttonous. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's just like you're at this feast and your appetite is never satisfied. Your curious appetite, intellectual appetite, creative appetite. And you're just gorging. And we can't stop. It's so addicting. And, yeah. 
and it's it's hard to understand like when also when you're when you've pretty much reached your limit with like a certain type of like learning like this there's a podcaster and really successful producer and writer named Brian Koppelman, who has this really amazing podcast called The Moment, where he interviews artists and how they sort of started out. Mm-hmm. And I used to like eat up every single thing he, every single thing he said. And now he just came out with a, with a good episode, so that's also in my queue. And I'm listening to it, and and I'm listening like 45 minutes in. I'm like, I really don't need this. Like, I don't need to hear how yet another writer started. Like, you caught you caught you caught yourself. I'm yeah, wasting time. I've already heard 50 like hundreds of hours yeah. probably of him interviewing people like this. But I can't stop listening. Oh, <laughs> like I need to move on to something else and still I can't the stop. The struggle is real. Yeah. I find also when the phone hits my face sleeping at night <laughs> and I keep pushing, I say, stop, don't put it away. Yeah. A couple of days, and I don't say I do this regularly, when I just don't turn on my phone and look at it for an hour in the morning helps. Where I put it away. And I say, I'm going to have coffee, do my morning routine a little bit, and I'll open it in just a little bit. That helps. Because turning it on first thing means your mind doesn't have a chance to react to anything. It's immediately, no, it becomes in a passive state where you're just like, okay, receiving info as opposed to thinking about anything else. It does all the thinking for you when you're watching it. It like, it, it, it puts your brain on passive mode. I have an idea. Yeah. That we could do maybe. Yeah. You know how Joe Rogan does Sober October? What if we did no content mornings for a week? <laughs> Very doable. What yeah, do you mean by you, mornings? You think so? Yeah, what do you mean by mornings? Until noon, you don't listen to or watch any content. You don't catch up on news. You don't watch videos. You don't listen to any podcast. You can text with friends. Nah. Why I not? Because I post all my stuff in the morning, including our stuff, and get it out of the way so that I can focus on other things throughout the mm-hmm. day. Plus, we have Shabbos. So to be honest, we are protected. Yeah, then the average fella, it doesn't. It it has its. It, yeah, it's still it's that. still life sucking. Enough. It's still life. Yeah. I just find like when I'm, like I, I I like listening to podcasts, but I don't need to listen to it on my way from shitting to washing my hands. Like I can <laughs> shut it off then, but I don't. I'm like, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. want shit stains on my phone, but yeah. I'm willing to take the risk for a little Rogan, <laughs> and that's bad. Yeah. That's when I know yeah. I'm an addict. Yeah. I need to put it down because yeah. it's great to watch while you're shitting. Everybody does. But like the fact that I like leave it, I was like, you know what? I don't want to keep missing this. And yeah. I have to leave it going. Yeah. And like, and I have wet hands and I'm trying to touch it, but the oh. button's not going. And I'm like, oh, all of <laughs> this that. isn't good for my phone. It's not good for me. You mean me. wet hands from the sink, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've been doing no toilet paper mornings uh, for quite some time now. <laughs> you raw, save raw a bunch. Dog. You save a bunch. Raw dog in it. Um, yeah, you know where they don't have toilet paper? In North Korea. <laughs> uh, but I just mean when I find myself in those moments where I'm like, yeah. this is just pathetic. Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. I was walking into this Complete. room to do this podcast and it was on in my pot. Couldn't just shut it off? It's so good and so bad. That's the Yeah, problem. well, th- this goes back to the earlier conversation about the, the creator economy and, and maybe we're going to look back and be like, too much content. There was too much. Listen. It wasn't good for us. I take it as a double-edged sword, but the edge yeah. that I'm leaning into, I'm still happy is there because the anxiety of not having an outlet to, mm-hmm. and an opportunity like what we have in front of us to grow an audience and yeah. do this for real, without that, the anxiety would be there too and we wouldn't have a podcast. Right. So what you get with this payoff is to learn I, a little bit of self-discipline and self-control and try to control 
this behemoth that is the content space. Because I, I think the opportunity it affords is as a benefit is way better than the cost, and we've said this on previous episodes. Yeah. It's just a matter of us being disciplined to control it. We have a friend, we have a mutual good friend who said, um, I, I brought this up to him once, and he said, he's like, I used to have an uncle who used to sit at birthday parties with a newspaper. And there was a stack of newspapers next to him. He's like, people who can't control themselves can't control themselves no matter what. You know, like you'd, you'd bring a Newsweek to the bathroom if, if, if you didn't have your phone. And people would say, people are spending too much time reading and not enough socializing. That's okay. It's fucking <laughs> Seventeen Magazine. What you worry about is your nostalgia. You just launched. But it's true. Gary Vee makes that point all the time. Everyone's knocking tech. They're knocking social. They say kids are not social. Everyone's knocking social. I would argue they're more plugged in and more social than ever before. It's just not what you're used to. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm like Gary. People are killing themselves. These kids are suicidal. Suicide is is so underrated, <laughs> right? Like it's a choice you have to make, yeah. right? And people are worried that it's permanent. I, know, I can't have him <laughs> endorsing that. But nothing is negative to Gary. Me, nothing except negativity. It's a beautiful thing. More announcements to come on that. We'll talk about that. Later. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, one one quick point. Yeah. I feel like am I breaching now? Or did you see uh, Joe Rogan on Tim Dillon? Not Tim Dillon went on Joe Rogan. I know. He put out these clips, and you're like, did they do another episode? What happened is Joe Rogan came on to the Tim Dillon show as a guest, which is freaking, which is, first of all, awesome because Tim Dillon's a really good interviewer. Yeah. Here's my theory about it I don't like when Tim Dillon's on Joe Rogan. I think he's, I, he, it's, like, it's like not a good representation of what makes him great. I think he's hilarious, but keep going. On Joe Rogan, yeah. I, I think he's way too agreeable. Everything, every, like, he'll make a point. Joe Rogan goes everything and goes, right, 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 right. No, right, right. Did you see he him on Lex Fridman? Did you see him on the Lex Fridman podcast? I'm talking about Joe Rogan. I mean, because he knows he's successful for a reason. He knows, he knows how to be in these rooms. And like when he's sitting in front of Joe Rogan, he knows how to be. But he a teases him. Guess. He teases him, and he does this is the funniest he's, stuff. He's, he's not he, so agreeable. He's good, but he's good. But uh, all, his podcast is way better. Uh-huh. It's way better. So what I think I, this is what this is my theory about it. Tell me if I'm right. Maybe someone will listen to this. Tell me if I'm right. I think Joe Rogan knows it. I think he says, "Tim, you're hilarious. I love your podcast. But when you come on my show, it's it's not it's not the thing I love. How about I go on your show? I'll be your guest, and, and and maybe that way you'll feel comfortable, more comfortable with the dynamics. Mikey, Mikey, there is always an he, agenda. He doesn't go. Wait, how's that an agenda? You, you always think like, let's do this. How about he's like, I'll come on your show too. But he never does that to anyone. He never goes on anyone's show, does he? Many, many times. Nah. No, I don't think he does it often. He went but on he loves Crystal Tim. Cigars. He goes thing. on occasionally as a guest. He's been on Jordan Peterson's. He's been on. He's been interviewed oh, by yeah. several people. I I don't think it's like let's do this because Michael's theory is true. No, I, I think they're talking, and he goes like Tim, like I I love when you come on, but there's some there's something there's something missing here. Uh, I'll give it to you, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that was what motivated right, well, it. If, I think Ben, if you're listening, why don't you come on my show, Joe? I'll go on your show, okay? Muscle lady, <laughs> we'll take some testosterone. It'll be fantastic. I think then you'll come Joe's on my idea. show. We'll have a hamburger, and you'll pass out. <laughs> What he just said. I adore, so, I adore, we adore him. We he just, just do. said such a line that I wanted you to say. I forgot what it was. Uh, I got to go back and listen. Okay. Anyway. Lex Fridman, you know who that is? The yeah, Lex that was a great episode. It, it was so funny watching him tickle Lex Fridman and making him laugh. When Lex Fridman read the poem, I just wanted to see Tim Dillon's face. I didn't watch the video. He's like, you, you read your poem, and, and, and then I'm going to read you a poem. Oh, I have a poem for you, too. Oh, my God. And also Lex Fridman goes, listen, I mean, look, I'm a regular person, and I mean... I'm just. A, he's like. I'm just a regular person. So, not Lex. You're not a regular person. There's a there's a robot dog on the floor. Okay. <laughs> you're not a regular person. You lecture at MIT twice a week. You're not. A, you're not a regular person. He's like. <laughs> and Lex Friedman is just cracking. Friedman is cracking up. I would listen to a whole podcast of just Lex reading poetry. It was beautiful. 
It was so. He's like, what great. is it? The blue, the blue song that exists. I have, in I have a blue bird in my heart. <laughs> I, I have blue have balls blue... in my sack. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Mark Norman on Lex Fridman too? No. Oh, I, oh hey, you know <laughs> what? What they saying? Oh, he also hey, Lex has these comedians on. It's almost like the geeky kid in high school who's friends with the cool kids and like they are just cracking each other up. He's cracking Lex up. Like yeah. he's this guy. He has Mark Norman on. He goes. Uh, they were talking about love. He's like, so can you tell me your thoughts on love? He's like, you ever been in love? And no. He's like, you're a virgin? Virgin? Hey, oh, virgin. He's like, yeah, maybe we'll see. He's like, okay, hey, you know, still a virgin. Okay, doing what you do. <laughs> Whoa, well, you know, hey. Too, too good. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting podcast. He's an interesting person. I still don't know what he is or what he does. I know he's like this Russian genius scientist. I love the dynamic because it's it's two people that would never otherwise be talking for that long. It's great to see. And, and like Lex will ask these questions that are like very general and serious <laughs> to a comic that can't take it seriously. <laughs> I wrote you a poem. Tell me your thoughts on monogamy. <laughs> monogamy <laughs> do, you, do you do you believe in it i mean monogamy you know two people it gets a little weird you know she's all crazy about it you know it gets all he's like you know people with marriage gets all weird and queefy it's <laughs> a great word mark no uses the word queefy a lot and it's great i could see lex getting someone like a woman's number and just re- just like relentlessly texting her until she's like you got lex you gotta stop something he's a great <laughs> addition to this space in this season that we're watching of the new media like the lex yes. Fridman character yes. it's just like he I, did he follow joe rogan to austin i have no idea i think he was in austin now he just showed up on my feed mm-hmm. in youtube and i'm like this guy in a black looks like a men in black russian white men in black it's like he's hosting the twilight zone yes and nobody <laughs> understands it He's like, I want to talk today about AI, social justice, marriage, love, and poetry. <laughs> so what? You're not a normal person, Lex. You're not normal. <laughs> not normal. It's okay. It's not good. That is episode 14 of Buckle Up. Buckle Up. Buckle Up with Mike and Ami, and we'll see Did you Did I exhaust you? I don't think so, but we're uh, over an hour. All right, all right. Yeah, and... Uh, that was a good one, Mike. We delved into the politics. We, we are gonna, right but this this was different. I think not. I think better. We talked about politics better than we have in a while. I okay. like this sort of political conversation. Okay, good, good. You do a few eye rolls, and we'll see what happens uh, with the first segment. But yeah. we we had. Yeah, we don't might be, have to. <laughs> we'll be fine. You might you might not find this one on the internet. You can only in be open months. and honest. That's yeah. episode fourteen, 14 of baby. Buckle Up with Buckle Mike up. and Ami. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.